More than half of all companies globally are family-owned or operated. Family businesses contribute 70% of the world's GDP and account for 65% of jobs. Their voices are important. Their stories must be told. Brought to you by the award-winning publication, Tharavat Magazine. This is the Family Business Voice with your host, Ramya Elagami. Leadership with laughter. Those who think business is no laughing matter have probably never met Chris Tavish. The stand-up comedian uses the lessons drawn from his combined experience as a humorist and owner of a business consulting firm in Silicon Valley to create a plan. Realizing that the connection between the two industries resonated with people, he decided to co-author a book entitled Comediology. The precise definition of comediology reads, applying successful comedic techniques traditionally used to amuse, entertain, or make an audience laugh to your regular occupation, profession, or trade to enhance your daily effectiveness, fulfillment, and joy. According to Tavish, comediology goes far beyond lightening the mood with a well-placed joke or two. Instead, he argues that the fundamentals of stand-up comedy can be applied by entrepreneurs and family business owners to improve their business prospects. Authenticity, presence, and a unique voice are as essential in the boardroom as they are on the stage. Enjoy this conversation with Chris. I was going to start this conversation really with um, the first question was going to be like, you know, what on earth is comediology? Am I saying this right? Absolutely. 100%. Comediology. So just to give you a bit of context here, Chris, like obviously when we speak, we talk a lot about family businesses, like our whole focus here, of course, at the family business voices to talk about businesses that want to last over generations. To be fair, most of the humor that we get around this kind of topic is references to the fact that, you know, family businesses resemble Greek tragedies and that kind of a thing. So it's more, it's more on a negative side. So like, I'm really happy and excited that today we'll be exploring more positive angle and sort of like, you know, looking at how quite funny this whole situation can pan out. But first more about you, Chris, like, you know, how come you started to coin this phrase and like, how did you get there? Yeah. So comediology, just to back up a little bit, comediology is, you know, there are business books that have a lot of obviously business value, but they're not very much fun to read. And likewise, there are comedy books that are a lot of fun, but they don't necessarily have a lot of value or life lessons. And I was, you know, I've been a stand-up comedian for probably 10 to 12 years now and a business person as well. And I'm like, well, why can't you combine these two worlds? And so comediology is, you know, to put it really bluntly, is a fun business book. It's <laughs> it's actually, you know, taking those lessons from stand-up comedy that I have found very impactful and helpful in the business world and, you know, walking through them with, you know, stories and, you know, entertaining quips, etc. Was there a moment in your business life that was so ridiculously hilarious that you felt like, you know, we, we need to look at this a little bit more from that angle or the other way around. Like, is the business around being a stand-up comedian such that, you know, you felt like people needed more advice on it? So tell us more about like the intersection of the two. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It's every time I, I really find it um, kind of two key lessons. One is finding your voice. And, you know, I don't know, this is hysterical, maybe externally, but internally, it's kind of like I was oh my gosh, I was always following the person in front of me, you know, mm -hmm. always like, Hey, what are they doing? What's the right way to conform? And instead of comedy, 
you can't do what the comedian before you did. It's like, hey, what that guy <laughs> said, point. that worked out well, right? Are we on here, people? You know, like, let's laugh again at that same joke. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the funny thing is, in business, that's what, at least in, in major corporations and Fortune 500 companies where I have spent a lot of my time, that's what people tend to think. And that's what I thought is, well, you just follow the person in front of you, and that's how you're successful. And then being out on stage, realizing that doesn't work, and then wait mm. a second. It's those people who have found their voice, who have really yeah. had uh, tapped into you know, their passion, their why, their, uh, their excitement for life that has made them successful in business. Mm -hmm. And so um, I don't know necessarily a funny moment. Maybe it's funny at looking how many years I've failed at that. <laughs> might be kind of funny. <laughs> we want evidence. But, yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah, we trimmed that. <laughs> one of those moments where I say like guys you can see more links to like you know Chris's stand-up comedy below the podcast like you know yeah. the interactive moment with the listeners it's important right. and then I'll say uh what the guy said before me that was really funny that's exactly. why that <laughs> I also think connection you know I think so many times they actually did this study that kind of talks about it in a very representative way so they had these people watching these videos some videos were funny, some videos weren't funny. And then they had that watching with somebody mm -hmm. joining them live via video conference. Mm -hmm. So at the end, they asked them, hey, who did you really want to connect with? Who was funny? Who did you find like-minded? And they're like, oh, beyond a, a significant doubt, it was the people who laughed with them. Like, oh, mm -hmm. they're great. I totally get where they're coming from. We're like-minded. I want to be associated with them. Well, it turns out they weren't even real people. Or they, at least they weren't live. They were recorded. And they, oh, were, they were scripted to laugh at certain intervals. But that's the effect that comedy has. Is this when you think about in business, when you think about, you know, meeting somebody for the first time, how to come across, how to get connected with them quickly. When you think about having a difficult situation that you need to work through mm. with somebody and somebody giving you the benefit of the doubt, somebody thinking, hey, we're like-minded, we can work through this. Mm. That's where comedy is such a powerful ally. So again, within the family business, not only within the family business, within any business, like, you know, you, unless you are based in Silicon Valley and everyone who works with you is 10 years old, and like, you know, most businesses <laughs> include people of different ages and different generations. Do you think that there's a kind of sense of humor? There's a kind of comedy that is always funny. Do you think that there's a kind of, a kind of humor that works like, you know, with kind of like a, a cross-generational sort of audience, which is something that you frequently encounter, obviously, like, you know, especially in family businesses where you are naturally confronted with multiple generations in one place. Do you have any advice on that? Like how to make like younger or older people, like, you know, how to not come across like someone who tells dad jokes when you're in your like 40s plus and you're trying to relate to millennials and Gen Zs, like any tips there? I so wish there were, you know, actually BBC did a, a study where they had the top 100 films, you know, the comedy films. Every country, every, you know, demographic, they were different across the board. Right. I've tried jokes, even in the Bay Area. And it's really funny, even a, a driving 50 miles, I'll, I'll tell a joke that is, which I'm not going to tell right now. It's, <laughs> it's fine. No, it's post-edited. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> even simple things that I think would be generically funny, just a way to start off. So sometimes in a business setting or in a comedy setting, I'll say, hey, the host asked me to get up here. And I said, oh, I was worried about getting up here because, you know, sometimes things don't go very well. And the host said, don't worry about it. You know, when you look at somebody, sometimes you can just tell they're going to hit it out of the park. And I mm -hmm. said, oh, that's great. I know what you're talking about. And then they said, well, 
that person canceled about an hour ago. So get your butt <gasps> up on stage. <laughs> so like things it. like that that are like, okay, that's funny. That's pretty safe. Sometimes it'll in some audiences it'll be great, and sometimes they'll just look like you're just a you're just a goofy. You know, like, <laughs> like really, did you get that off of a bubblegum wrapper? And it, it, so it, it you have to be. And what you find in comedy routines as well, again, know thy audience, what they mm. think is funny, trying to be contextually aware, um, mm. because it's one thing to have a joke, but to fit it into that context and with those people, I think is way more important than the joke itself. Within the context of business, though, like, again, you're likely dealing with multiple generations, you're likely dealing with multiple cultures, and you're likely dealing with multiple levels of education as well. So again, where does humor work here as a tool like you know how do you sort of like gauge the situation and also how do you apologize if you've been if you've made a mistake because i think that one is also like something we're trying to learn these days how do people come back from saying the wrong thing at the wrong time yeah yeah and actually um you know just to back up a little bit i think it's an outstanding question and something that in the book i tend to talk a lot about using the the basics of comedy it to help you in business in terms of like, okay, so let's take, for example, in speaking, just getting in front of a group and speaking. I mean, I've taken a speech class, I've taken a lot of them. And they basically are like, okay, well, you need to stand like this, you need to put your hands this way. Um, this is where you direct your eyes. And it's like, you know what, if I really believe in the message that I'm talking about, if I'm really aware, and I'm really feeling what I'm talking about. And I think comedy does that. Mm -hmm. It gets you in touch with feeling what you're talking about. You end up being authentic and you end up coming across giving your message. You, you don't need all those tools. You don't need mm -hmm. all those things. And so believing in your message and looking to your audience, you know, and, and much more than, than I think um, you can use comedy or you can't, but I think getting mm -hmm. in touch with that um, authenticity and how you come across is, is much more effective. I think If you do say the wrong thing and you do need to apologize, I think the best recommendation that I have is just, you know, get that pointing to the guy next to you saying it was all him. It, he wrote the jokes and it was not. <laughs> I think it's just. Oh, that's, it, that's it, a good one, actually. I like that. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's very effective. No, but I'm, I'm, I'm referencing the mistake thing because I do think that much like in entrepreneurship, much like in business, a lot and in that case, also much like in comedy, as you said, these are things that hinge on confidence and authenticity in their success. And a lot of people seem frozen in inaction for fear of making mistakes. And I think that, you know, today, as I said, like, you know, judgment is so vocal, isn't it? Like, you know, whatever happens within a business, I always say to people, like, you know, I find it incredible what people dare actually write down in an email. If you consider that, like, you know, today, it's so easy for people to take a screenshot and just post that on social media and you'll go viral yeah. without any intention of your own. So the world has really changed in that in the sense of like how you're being held accountable for what you're saying and very often out of context. So also, like, you know, with that in mind, like, you know, how how safe, <laughs> how safe is humor in that context? And also, like, you know, in, in the sense, like, do you have rules about like, you know, don't put it in writing because people can really misconstrue tone in writing like you know keep to sort of like spoken spoken sort of like expressions of this like do you have certain rules where you like don't put it down in writing or don't put it down in pictures yeah particularly the ones where i'm wearing the raincoat i i tend not to put those <laughs> <laughs> you have to bring it back yeah. because otherwise like you know like, <laughs> it's like now it's going to be the theme that's good that's good like we need a feature image of a, like another raincoat now that's good <laughs> yeah I 
<laughs> I think it's a great question. And I don't think there is, I think anytime you are pointing out any thing outside of yourself, pointing out a person right. and talking about their differences, whether they be, you know, historically a, a race or religion or a sex that has had inequality, I think regardless of that, it's whenever somebody feels like they are like, if you were to, to turn it around, I think it's the golden rule. If you were to turn around and say, hey, how would I feel if that were now? Okay. Now, and you think about it and you think about how would I feel right now? Now let's let the coffee wear off five hours mm -hmm. later. How would I feel now? And so okay, it's, right. it's, it's kind of like, because when you're buzzy and you're happy and you want to share this moment, that's, I think, I honestly think where people get into trouble is mm -hmm. when they're like feeling happy, like, hey, man, that's everyone's going to laugh at this. And then it's all of a sudden they're, you know, like five hours later when they're not as happy and buzzed and then they can actually see. So it's even with ourselves, I think we can see that dichotomy of humor, but it just takes a little bit of time. I also think we're at an interesting point in time where I personally think that the next generation of computers, you know, be it 5, 10, 50 years, will be mind-linked, right? So all of a sudden mm -hmm. you can immediately hear what the other person or understand the other person is thinking. I oh, think God, we're no. in like, a, I know, right? <laughs> we're Chris, all going to we be can in jail. Never, we can <laughs> never talk again. That's it. It's over. And we're all going to be in the family business, huh? Everybody's going to die. <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> Um, so oh, God. I think, I think if you look <laughs> historically, there are people who have, who have made faux pas socially and they've been yeah. out of the social picture for five, 10, 15, 20 years. I mean, okay. Bad example, but Pee Wee Herman, he mm. made a movie, he made a social faux pas. He was out for, you know, I mean, I don't know who was president when he, when he came back, but he was out for a long time and take David Letterman contrast. Mm. David Letterman happened a few years ago. He apologized. He was, he was, you know, and he, he was, people were mad for, I don't know, three minutes and 42 seconds. And so mm -hmm. the distance between how people get mad and get over it, I think as a society, we're actually getting better at that. I think ultimately we'll get to the place where, okay, the person was a jerk or they had a jerky moment, but separating that from who they are, I think we'll ultimately get there because we're not our material. We are something separate. And anyway. So when you're a leader in your business and you, you work with a team, et cetera, of course, humor can also be used by certain people as a defense mechanism, right? Like, so like you have the, the sarcastic people, you have the cynicals and, and it might be very funny, but then the question is like, you know, where does the individual freedom begin and where does the culture of a company end? So when you, you know, when today we say like, you know, we could make the statement that probably companies that have a humorous approach, I would say, to certain things are more successful. How do I start a culture like that? And how do I not encourage then sort of like, you know, the kind of people who use that as a defense mechanism, maybe to never fully take responsibility for their actions or to properly communicate and not encourage that? Yeah, it's a great question. It's uh, And I still think it comes back to the things that really that at least I advocate in the book are the fundamentals of, of humor, authenticity, presence, and humility. Because even what you talk about, and, I've, and we've all been experienced that where people use humor as a defense mechanism, and then you're kind of intimidated. You're like, well, they're mm. really funny. They're super sharp. And how do I get in this? But that's not authenticity. And it's not typically not humility. Typically, that humor is pointed at somebody else. And yeah. so I think rather than saying, let's all try to be funny or you know humorous, I would say really, again, peeling back the layers to get what the core 
raw elements of humor are and focus on authenticity. I mean, we do a workshop, for example, that is actually getting and standing up in front of other people. And when you're standing up in front of people and you tend to figure out what's likable and what's not likable, mm-hmm. if you're just sharp and you're attacking, maybe that'll work one or two times. But generally, the people who are successful at stand-up, it's the same materials in business. They're usually mm-hmm. authentic. They're usually likable. They're usually self-deprecating. And they're present with you. I mean, you don't necessarily need to have material to be on stage and be funny, although I would highly recommend it. But <laughs> you you can just get a laugh just actually. I like, I like your binder down that moment that you just yeah, had there. Right. <laughs> Tried that, didn't work, guys. Don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Video of six. Okay, yeah. Um, (laughs) But you can. It's amazing that, uh, you know, I used to go up there and I used to just have material and regurgitate it, as glamorous as that that sounds. But it doesn't work. It's just a robot up there. And they're like, who is this person? But when I just stop there and I connect, even when I muff up a punchline, I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, does anybody have my notes? You know, and they just see like, oh, that's funny. I, I'm human. He's human. We get this person, and then it just it just builds a that that culture of authenticity and funny. It's interesting, you know, the love for people, right? Like, and I think that that goes under a lot of the time. It's like if you do not love the people you're doing this for, right? Like, and and it's the same thing in the business if you don't have love for your customers or like, you know, for the people in your team, like if you're not enthusiastic about other human beings, I just don't see how it's going to work. And I think it's the same with, with humor. If it's not about bringing joy and bringing some, some add value to others, then, you know, what's the point and how are you ever going to be successful with it? You got it. That's right. And as well put, and I, could I just use your voiceover for my, when they interview me and they just say, what, what she <laughs> Let's <said."> talk. <laughs> Let's talk. <laughs> But I think even like with comedy, I found that when I was up on stage having fun, when I was bringing the joy and feeling the joy, that's mm-hmm. when people around me could experience the joy. Mm-hmm. And so when you talk about, you know, the person that uses sarcastic humor, they're probably not feeling the joy. They're probably <laughs> feeling very threatened. And so people mm-hmm. around them feel threatened. And so whatever you bring to the game, whether it be in a communication, whether it be a comedy routine, whether it be a meeting, whether it be a deliverable, that's what people are going to experience. And so, yeah, I think, um, I think just having fun, looking at yourself, anything you can, you know, I mean, I came to, to this country and I brought $500. That's all I had with me. You know, I'm like, you didn't have pants. What do you, okay. So, I mean, I <laughs> <laughs> problem number one, don't yeah. come naked. <laughs> not a no good idea. So It'll business. make it just more difficult. <laughs> not Sleep widely accepted. <laughs> But having that fun and just uh, just uh, just people around you will have fun. I think that's uh, and that and a better way to go to work and experience mm. and and that's a dis- a personal decision that you have to make. I think is I'm going to have fun today. I'm going to feel the joy today. It's the same decision that I have to make before I get up on stage. Is the same decision that you bring to work. But oh my gosh, it makes it so much easier. So what stuff's going to happen? You know what's going to stop? And you can hold on tight and like it's not going to happen. I live in denial. Wasn't that funny? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> I'm going to be serious about one thing, Chris, and that is recommending your book to our audience for sure. And uh, thank you very much for coming on the show. I hope it's not the last time that you'll make us laugh because there's a lot of comedic value to the family business, as uh, as all of our listeners know. But thank you so much for joining us on the Family Business Voice. We appreciate it. 
thank you so much. It was such a great being here. And, and thanks for accepting the bribe. That's really... <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Family Business Voice. Subscribe to our channels now on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify to be notified of our weekly episodes.